0: You know, having been involved in restaurants and cafes for, you know, my entire working career, um, I just feel in my own particular case that this has come along at a, a really uh, uh, timely juncture in my life where I feel like I can actually uh, contribute to people's well-being in, in a very meaningful way.
1: Today on Dirty Linen, we are chatting to Steve Kumper, chef in Tasmania. Uh, we chatted to Steve in episode six of Dirty Linen way back in June of 2020. I had to do a lot of scrolling to get back to that episode to remind myself of when exactly it was. Um, so at that time, um, Steve was... Uh, Uh, I guess advising overseeing the Crescent Hotel in North Hobart and we talked a lot about pubs and hospo and all those juicy things but we find Steve today in a very different scenario. Welcome back to Dirty Linen Steve.
0: Thanks very much Danny and congratulations on the show. Uh, Geez coming in it's a bit like the hottest 100 coming in at number six that's pretty good (laughs) effort.
1: Yeah, but you're obviously like uh, racking up the hits because you're back for episode four hundred yeah. and whatever it is. So yeah. you know it's uh, a credit. It's a credit to you as well as to me. Let's say. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really excited to chat to you. You reached out to me because of you know what you're up to now. It's it's uh, definitely not a pub. Tell us where we find you today.
0: Well, um, I've uh, been one of these people that is. Uh, moved over into um, aged care and um, I uh, found myself uh, looking for uh, a career change, primarily, um, you know, my my kids have grown up and moved out of home and everything, so it wasn't the case of wanting to spend, you know, more time with them at home. It was more about trying to find some meaningful work Um, and I... Really, uh, having having my dad um, die at the end of 2020, um, and he ended up in palliative care, and I, I guess like a lot of things, until um, until these sort of uh, situations present themselves to yourself, I was fairly um, immune to. Uh, all of the issues in aged care because it didn't really affect me but when it when it did um, it kind of opened my eyes actually and um, I thought maybe that would be something that I could get myself involved in
1: so I mean what did you see with the experience with your dad that um, well, you know what were your eyes open to oh, well
0: I it wasn't it wasn't any sense of anything particularly wrong or anything you know uh Uh, that that was wanting it was more that I uh, the the experience just opened my eyes to what's involved and of course you know food is essential to everybody and of course and as we all know and in an aged care setting it is you know um, as much uh, as important as any other setting and um, I just began to think well, you know maybe I could um, I could help uh, and I could you know put my years of experience together to try and um, make sure that people's experiences in the aged care setting were were as, as good as they could be.
1: And so tell us about your role and how you've been able to I guess you know fulfill your hopes um, in this in this new type of, of uh, cooking work:
0: well it, it's really interesting because um, you know I had a lot of misconceptions about um, about the industry uh, f- from the food side of things uh, probably like a lot of people um, are only really uh, sort of you only hear about the negative things, and you know, with the occasional picture that comes up on social media and the outcry that ensues after that. Um, I, I kind of knew there was more to the to the, the story than that, but um, I, I I came on board <coughs> uh, as uh, head chef for uh, a particular um, uh, residential care um, facility in in. Hobart, and uh, pretty soon I became aware that um, it, it's really unlike any other kitchen environment I've ever worked in. Um, from uh, the, the the quality of the equipment is all fine, all that's excellent because it's has to be and it has to be accredited and it has to be maintained. That that's not the issue, but um, you're you're mainly dealing with a, a very uh, unskilled. Workforce in the kitchens, and <clears throat> for, for whom a lot of people English is their second language. Um, and uh, there's kind of, I won't say low expectations of the food we were putting out, but um, it was, it certainly wasn't terrible. But I could see that there'd be a lot of, a lot of room to make improvements.
1: And would that be to make improvements at the same cost or with um, the need to increase the budget? Because I know that, you know, that's, that's usually going to be pretty tight.
0: Yeah, well, look, there's, there, of course, well, it really depends um, on what kind of, um, the, the business that I work for is a not-for-profit and <clears throat> that, that means essentially... Um, for, for listeners uh, that, uh, that there aren't the same of course there are constraints and you have to everything has to make sense financially, but there isn't the same demands or a return on shareholders as there is in for-profit aged care situations. So they're the ones that you probably hear a lot of the horror stories about. Um, <clears throat> in, in my case, we, we have a very healthy um, uh, budget for food because the organisation recognises how important it was. Uh, un- unfortunately, um, the uh, people that uh, were my predecessors um, had uh, a skill level which relied heavily on a lot of bought-in stuff. Um, and whilst that definitely has its place... Um, I guess I wanted to just introduce more um, made from scratch items um, and rely less on, you know, the board in products. Um, so, um, you know, that did come with a bit of a cost, but um, the uh, the board and the the leadership team um, have let me um, make those changes.
1: So, yeah, tell, tell us about some of them. What have you brought in?
0: Well, we, we try to use <clears throat> a lot of fresh fruit and veg, and I know it sounds like such a simple thing, but it really, um, when you're dealing with a wide range of uh, residents who live in this particular facility, um <clears throat> there are, um, uh, you know, a, a large swathe of tastes and expectations when it comes to food. So you really are um, cooking to uh, a a very broad demographic and, um, you know, if I could distill it down, it would probably be about 75% of our clients would be uh, of your, I suppose, meat and three veg variety when it came to their meals and the other 25% let's say, would be a little bit more adventurous in their diets. Um, And so the menus have to really reflect that because it's it's a lose-lose situation if you try and impose a doctrine on people who are unused to it, particularly if you try to introduce issues that are too confronting for them where weight loss is a huge issue in aged care um, and you want to give them every opportunity to be eating they can. So fresh food, a lot of fresh food, a lot of um, items that we cook um, from scratch um, instead of having you know, pre-cooked meats, we, we cook them all, we chill them, um, we make pie fillings, um, we make of our own desserts and cakes, we don't do cake mixes or batters or mousse mixes or yellow or um, panna cotta mixes. We make it all, you know, out of real ingredients Um, and that's been a huge learning curve for the team Um, and by the by, um, the residents are mostly happy with it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, are they are they appreciating it and and also how hard is it for you as a chef you know you've been of course customer focused but also able to be creative how hard is it to to really be yeah i mean you're their main source of calories it's super important that they eat the food it's it's definitely about them and not about you
0: Oh, you, you hit the nail on the head. It really is um, about calories intake and about, you know, aged care is not, not the sector in which you should be cutting um, back on the sugar and the butter and the cream. Um, you know, we load, we load load everything up with that because we want to maintain people's um, uh, calorific intake as best we can. Um But to answer your question about how they've taken it, I mean, early days there were a few things which I thought were fairly innocuous when I added them to the menu. And the menu has to be really easy to understand. Um, So when I put, for instance, um, uh, let's say a paella on the menu, um, (laughs) I, uh, I had a few people asking, you know, a lot of people asking me, that was so it made me kind of stop and think you know what I take for granted um what I think is part of a kind of a cooking vernacular which a lot of people I assumed wrongly would be familiar with well they're not so you have to find ways to um communicate that without relying on jargon in one sense and, and uh, you know, a lot of, um, well, in that case it was Spanish but mostly French food terminology. You have to anglicise it and make it easy for people to understand.
1: Yeah, I mean, Australia is only becoming more diverse. Uh, I suppose there is perhaps a bit more of an Anglo meat and three veg older population in Australia um, it's I mean how do you imagine things will play out as um, people of you know more diverse backgrounds end up in aged care
0: no it's a really good question um, I think what will happen is um, like like s- schools for instance reflect their changing demographics and aged care will be exactly the same uh, you know there are uh, I mean, God help the people that get me, for instance, as a resident and I eventually move in because I'll be one of these incredibly difficult people to please, unfortunately. Um, Where's
1: my paella?
0: Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> and that 75%, uh, 25% um, fraction I gave you of, of the slice of demographic will over time kind of go the other way because many of us will come to aged care with a much higher, uh, I don't like to use the word sophistication, but a a much broader taste for different foods Um, and that will be reflected in menus. So I think we'll see a really big change over time to a much more person-focused and ultimately user-pays services in the industry where you could perhaps see that um, facilities might have um, a floor where there's their own chef, for instance, cooking the food that they want. But all of this will, of course, cost money.
1: Well, I mean, aged care is definitely a sector that's being watched more closely, but it's the funding that is going to, in the end, determine this for a lot of individuals, it is, there's there's so much to think about with it, isn't there? Because uh, on the one hand, you can think, well, we need to, these people need to be kept as healthy as possible for as long as possible. So they should eat, you know, they should eat this. But then, you know, people, that can be quite condescending as a mindset as well, can't it? You know, people come into aged care having had, you know, their own lives and their own appetites and their own, um, making their own choices. It's um, it's really tricky to think about imposing something that, you know, because it's good for them.
0: Yeah, you're 100% right. It's that that juncture or nexus where empowering the individual, particularly in cases of um, the many people that present with different types of dementia, assume, where there's a real cultural push to um, give them uh, more dignity through choice, and uh, that that juncture or nexus where you're giving them that choice, and what you're able to actually deliver um, is a very interesting um, space to be working in because um, it's it's uh, there's this dynamic t- tension between what you uh, can do and what um, you're uh, hoping to um, to to let the the client choose, and and often the the, the two don't meet very neat, very neatly, and it's very prescriptive too. You know, saying to people, you have to eat this, and um, uh, but you know, we we have we have uh, um strong um oversight by dieticians and our clinical team that makes sure that whatever we are giving our residents, they are ticking lots and lots of boxes. Plus, there are a myriad of different um, uh, dietary constraints that each of our residents um, collectively have. So it's it's actually a really quite complicated uh, situation with lots and lots of moving parts.
1: And is there a lot of work with texture modified food like food that's smooth for people's various needs?
0: Yes well we we do that ourselves we don't buy any of that stuff in a lot of a lot of the texture modified stuff ha- definitely has its place and I can see where it has worked um, for some some places um, but because of the amount of thickeners and uh, bits and bobs in there to to achieve those textures, um, they, they actually work out quite expensive. And I always think that if I could puree some broccoli, for instance, with some cream and butter and salt and pepper, um, it's going to be a whole lot better than something that I'm buying in that has, you know, Mostly xanthan gum in there to 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 give it its texture and maybe a bit of broccoli and green food coloring. You know what I mean? Um, I, I'd rather just give people food that actually uh, doesn't have too many um, unpronounceables in it.
1: So, I mean, is it fun overall? Oh yeah! Look, it, it's been
0: really quite um, revelatory for me because. You know, there's a there's a huge responsibility to be. You know, we, we serve, you know, some of our residents. The only food they get is stuff that comes from our kitchen, and um, there there is a a big responsibility with that, and um, it's incredibly different from restaurants and cafes. Um, you know, not not just the obvious stuff, but there is kind of even more of a duty of care towards. Um, our, our residents because we've, we've got two facilities. One, one is a dementia village with about 100 residents in it where there are 12 units uh, of, of um, eight residents uh, who have care staff that work in their houses. They have kitchens, lounges, and they're basically like a little village really. And, but the common denominator is um, all of the people in that village have dementia in various forms. And the other facility, the older one that we have, we have about a hundred people uh, residents, of which there are some with dementia, but um, uh, the majority don't have dementia. Um, so, but again, you know, we we have to be incredibly mindful that we're giving them all of their nutrition. Um, from our kitchen, basically.
1: So does that make your job quite feel quite meaningful, quite purposeful?
0: Oh, definitely. It really does. Um, <clears throat> you know, having been involved in restaurants and cafes for, you know, my entire working career, um, it just seems, uh, and this is not uh, disparaging for any of my colleagues out there at all, but I just feel, in my own particular case, that this has come along at a, a, a really uh, a timely juncture in my life, where I feel like I can actually uh, contribute to people's well-being in in a very meaningful way.
1: And what about the people that you're working with? I mean, you mentioned that it's in general a, a low skill environment a lot of people from other countries um who perhaps don't have english as a first language have you seen a, a, a sort of you know any um light bulb moments for them as you've changed the menu and made things a bit more i guess challenging and um yeah closer to the source
0: oh, oh very very much so in fact um the the team of People in the uh, kitchen at where, where I'm working now. Um, I couldn't ask for a more dedicated and committed bunch of people. They're just absolutely incredible, um, and they're you know um, sponges for knowledge. Um, they they really do care about the the food that they're putting up and contextualise it. You know. To a person, mostly, you know, um, geez, if my grandfather or grandmother was eating this, you know, would I be happy? And and you know, you can't really ask more more than that uh, from them. And and yet, and yet, we rely so heavily on this workforce, and um, it's um, made so difficult, challenging for them to uh, to participate. Um, and yet. Uh, without them, the industry would grind to a halt.
1: What are the challenges that you're speaking of?
0: Oh, just uh, visa, you know, visa um, complications, earning capacity, um, a lot of them having to, uh, you know, a a a preference for some places not to put people on in a full-time capacity. So it forces them to... You know, work numerous jobs, which uh, and, and, and in a casual basis, which negates them being available in the case that they are needed uh, as a casual, because they commit their free time to other jobs, and, and then you also have a uh, you know a wrestling for their um, for their loyalty when when we need them or when the other place needs them. Um, and they have to earn a certain amount of money uh, to satisfy their visa requirements. So it's it's really I really feel for them. You know, it's it's really really hard. And unfortunately, aged care, as as you know, is a fairly low paying um, uh, industry. Um, and um, Yes, that, that has its own challenges.
1: I think, you know, so many people on visas spend a large proportion of their time and so much of their mental energy in just simply dealing with the, the admin and the uncertainty of, um, their immigration status. It is. It is such a waste of energy and time when you think about it. When you think about all the jobs that need to be done. Um, yeah, all the people that need to be fed. It's. It. I mean, there is a review underway of the immigration system, and it's you know so long overdue. I really hope that it manages to simplify some of these processes, and um, yeah, I mean, create more meaningful work. Working lives for these people, but also, yeah, um, more available employees for um, people such as yourself.
0: Yeah, oh, look for sure, and um, you know, I mean, aged care as you, you're well aware is not not just the only industry that relies heavily on this w- workforce. I mean, if um, you know, uh, 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 three quarters of Hobart's kitchens would close down without. Um, this this workforce, um, so it's just a really interesting situation to be in, and in fact, to the point where we um, we we're even uh, investigating uh, cultural like liaison officers to be working with us to help us um, bridge and understand uh, some of the cultures that. Um, of of the the workers that are working for us, um, just to, I suppose, you know, to understand them more and to pay them the respect they they are due in being part of our workforce.
1: Wow, that's nice. That sounds sounds really worthwhile.
0: I was going to say, despite the challenges, um, it is it is a really great um, it is a really great uh, industry to work in because, you know, you really are helping people, you are um, by cooking and nurturing and looking after them and providing uh, tasty home-style meals for them, you're giving them um, a quality of life that perhaps they may not have um, prior to that. So there's there's a lot of goodwill involved.
1: And do you feel, you know, you've had a long career, you've worked in all kinds of different Venues? Do you feel like this is just this is right for you at this stage, or do you think, oh, I wish I'd found this earlier? I mean, how do you sort of contextualise it for yourself?
0: Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I think it's come at the very right time for me. Um, uh, I, in, in my own particular case, um, I, I think as you get older. Uh, as a, a cooking professional chef, um, you uh, some people like like sportsmen perhaps that have sports people that have operated at a very high level find it very difficult to acclimatise to Civvy uh, Street or um, you know you know walking away from the sport that, that's been part of their lives for so long. A lot of people find that a very difficult thing to to overcome or to at least accept. Um, and, you know, as we all know, there are always young, hungry, up-and-coming people that, um, you know, are, are coming through the ranks and eventually they take over. And there are very few people who end up cooking uh, at the highest level, be it um, – Regarded by their peers, or by um, critics, or by what really counts, and that's the till. At the end of the day, um, there are very few people that that are still contributing meaningfully and effectively in that on that level as they get in their later years. So, I I found that my own career trajectory. Was starting to falter a bit, having taken some positions that, um, you know, once you've worked for yourself or once you've got to a certain level, um, it's harder to suffer full glad- suffer falls gladly and all of those sort of things. So it was it came at the really right time for me.
1: Ah, well, it's, yeah, it's great great to hear that and so interesting to hear your, um yeah, the word from the inside. Um, A lot of us are going to uh, end up in a place like that and I think, I mean, speaking only for myself, you know, food's so important to me just to think that it would cease to be important just because I'm old and infirm is, is hard to imagine, so I hope um Yeah, I hope there's someone with the same care and concern and feeling of purpose and meaning cooking for me, Um, hopefully decades into the future.
0: Yeah. Look, I'm sure there will be. I'm sure. I think we'll probably see um, by the time you end up or, you know, find yourself in aged care, if that's what happens, I I think you'll find that there'll be uh, quite a renaissance that has occurred in that time.
1: Nice. We paella every Tuesday.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, thanks, Steve. Always great to catch up with you, and I thanks, really Danny. do appreciate your return visit to Dirty Linen.
0: Yeah, all the best, and thanks for having me on.
1: This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Danny Valant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirty linen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.
0: Peace.